0: Nancy Wyman state Democratic chairwoman Nancy thanks so much for being here and with us today is Nancy Wyman this is the donkey talk podcast with your host Connecticut Democratic Party chairwoman Nancy Wyman.
1: good afternoon everyone uh, this is Nancy Wyman and I'm so glad that you're joining us on this podcast and today we have a very special guest um, Vicki Veltry is a person that I've known for many, many years. I'd like to give you a little bit of her background and then have her come in and, and talk about the things that she's done to make Connecticut a much better place for all of us. You know, she was the uh, she is the Executive Director of the Office of Health Strategies. She, of course, sits on the Board of Directors of Access Health, Connecticut, of course, which delivers, as we know, Obamacare or ACR, ACA. Um, and from 2016 to 2018, uh, Vicki served as a chief health policy advisor in the Lieutenant Governor's office, where I had the privilege and honor to work with her. She's coordinated the state innovation model initiative, the healthcare cabinet, and other initiatives that you're going to hear about. Prior to that, uh, she served as our healthcare advocate, which oversaw I'm sorry, their mission is to uh, assist health insurance consumers with managed care plan plan selections, educate consumers about their health care rights, and directly assist health insurance consumers with filings of complaints and appeals. Vicki has really done an unbelievable job in health care for the people of this state. She works with everybody. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle or where you come from, Vicki is always available to help you in healthcare. So I want to welcome you, Vicki, and thank you, my friend, for being here today and uh, for talking to and helping so many people uh, around the state. It's really been an honor uh, and a privilege to, to work with you. So let's just talk about this thing called ACA, Obamacare, um, and why it's been such a big deal in Connecticut.
0: So first of all, thank you for having me on. It's very nice to be on with a stranger on this <laughs> podcast. Really appreciate being here today. Um, the Affordable Care Act, that's also called Obamacare by a lot of people, was a very big deal for the state of Connecticut. It did several things. One is it reduced the rate of uninsurance in our state anywhere from about 35 to 50%, depending on which numbers um, we use. It also got so many people covered um, that now, now we're just ecstatic about the number of people we have covered in the state. We've enrolled about 110,000 or so, depending on the year, in health insurance coverage through our health insurance exchange called Access Health CT, as um, Nancy said earlier. And there are two health plans on that exchange, Connecticut and Anthem, that help us with that health insurance exchange. We also enrolled a lot of people in something called the Medicaid expansion. So we were the first state in the country to take advantage of the ability to expand our Medicaid program to adults um, who didn't have children. Most of Medicaid covers people who either have children or, or who are elderly or disabled. The Medicaid expansion covered a whole group of people who were single or married but did not have children. So about... Two hundred thousand or so, depending the numbers go up and down, but at least two hundred thousand people got coverage through the through that coverage. And then we also did some very cool things related to the ACA in that we took advantage of every provision of it. So not only did we get those sweeping changes in Medicare to come to Connecticut, where we closed that thing called the donut hole for people who had prescription drugs, but we also got a lot of funding for our community health centers and for prevention services for public health. And for the first time ever, people didn't have those kinds of limits on their health insurance policies that they used to have. So there was a day where you'd have health care coverage and you'd have an annual limit on the number of visits you got, or you'd have a lifetime limit of, let's say, a million dollars on your health policy. The ACA got rid of that. And it also did the the thing that most people know it by, which is, it said, you can't deny people coverage when they have a pre-existing condition. So we took full advantage of the Affordable Care Act here in the state.
1: And the end the fact is is that that, um, many states didn't do it, and and what people also don't understand in the state is that it was not paid for by us only. That's right. It was paid for by the federal government. That's right. And so people don't have to constantly say, oh... It was my tax dollars only. It came from the federal government that did that. And, and I, I, the credit should be due to you and, and some other people is it's not easy to get the money from the federal government. So working on those grants and begging to get the money, it takes a lot of work to do. And we had to prove that we could do it. And right. and I, I truly believe you and, and the team of Access Health really can uh, be so proud of what, what's accomplished because it, it was um, hard work to get this all taken care of.
0: It was a big effort across the state led by our former yeah. governor and lieutenant governor and and lots of people, as you said before, around the state, including our legislature, really supported us. And when you think back, it's almost—it's really hard to think back before the ACA of the things that we didn't have. That's true. Right. So true. It used to be that if you went and had a certain kind of treatment, you might not be able to buy an insurance policy ever again. If, if you were a woman, you paid twice—you might pay twice as much as a man did for your insurance. Or if you were. Um, Elderly versus young, you might pay five, six times the amount of the insurance premium every month. Right. And when you say the things about the federal dollars, I think that's really important. People often don't realize we got $500 million or so back from the federal government or support from the federal government for the subsidies that help people buy insurance on the exchange. And the Medicaid program, that expansion that we have, started out as 100% federally funded and by 2019, which is this year, it went down to 90% federal funded. So that means the state only is paying 10% of that share. Which
1: is fantastic.
0: Which is a huge amount of money. And especially into the
1: state. on other grants that people don't know about to go on. Yeah. We, we normally drop it down much quicker and you don't start at 100%. You might start at 50% or 80% or whatever it is. That's but right.
0: And the other thing the Affordable Care Act brought in that I think is important to let people know is, you know, healthcare care is changing. We uh-huh. talk about this. You and I have talked about it. A lot of people yeah. have talked about it. But healthcare is changing. We want to. We want to make sure we're getting value for the dollars that we're spending on healthcare because we do spend a lot of money on healthcare. Everybody across the United States spends a lot of money. So the delivery system is changing to a place where we want to make sure that we're getting value for the dollars we're putting in. It's been a different design of healthcare going on from the federal level.
1: Would you, because we ran into this. Talk about what a delivery system really is. Right.
0: So we tend to pay for health care, right? We go to the doctor when we're sick and the doctor gets paid every time we go in, right? That's that's generally the way healthcare's been designed. Some of us would like to see healthcare shift from a treatment system to one that prevents health care conditions from occurring. So there's been a lot of emphasis when the Affordable Care Act was passed, the ACA there were provisions put in there to fund states and providers around different kinds of experiments that would allow us to shift the way we deliver healthcare. care. So you could still go to the doctor, but the doctor might get paid based on how much they're coordinating your care, whether they're paying attention to things outside of the office, um, on your clinical outcomes, the outcomes that are, are getting delivered. And we actually got a grant. And you were part of that, but um, we put in a grant to the federal government under the Affordable Care Act called a state innovation model grant. And we were one of 14 states that got significant money, $45 million in our case, to try to drive those kinds of changes in Connecticut. And we're still working on it
1: right but we are seeing some companies in Connecticut really delivering it differently yes um, and coming out to people's houses now to mm-hmm. making sure that they're all settled in and whatnot um, making sure that they're reminded that they have to go for their doctor's treatment that's you know right. the preventative stuff so we're seeing it somewhat of a change uh, not of course never fast enough for you but it, yeah, that's
0: right and what I, well what I say to people is it took us a long time to get where we are today. So it's going to take us a long time to shift, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't make these incremental changes and you've that been will doing get you
1: that. there. You've been, and you've been doing that in your new position. There's a lot of partners. It, uh, so in your new position, what do you feel, uh, what have you been doing?
0: So there's a lot going on at the Office of Health Strategy. So the Office of Health Strategy, a little bit of background for the listeners, was created in 2017 under uh, the Malloy-Wyman administration. And it was a bipartisan office that was created to really okay. tackle problems around healthcare costs and quality. And uh, it brought some things together under one office. One of the ideas was, you know, we really need to coordinate the way we're addressing health care across state agencies, but also more broadly. So in that office, we have lots and lots of data. We have an, a database called an All-Pair Claims Database which we affectionately refer to as APCD, because in healthcare, as you know, everything is an acronym. Yes, that's um, why we
1: don't, that's talk right. we don't do that, 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 that. way.
0: <laughs> we have all health information technology under our office. We look at and regulate um, health systems planning, health facilities planning. So if somebody wants to come in and one hospital wants to buy another hospital or a physician group wants to merge with another group, we have to look at that. Um, and we also have the SIM grant underneath us. So lots and lots of work. Which is? that is the state innovation model grant that i was just referring to before so because we brought all those things together we can we look at things a little differently than we used to look at them we we now look at healthcare by looking at how uh, the systems are designing themselves are they doing it in a way that encourages value are they doing it in a way that ensures that costs are not rising are they incorporating health information technology so we we look at that altogether. But what we're really focusing on now is a couple things. One is we're working with the comptroller's office, interestingly enough, on an affordability standard for health care. We thought it was really important to take a look at what people can really afford to pay for health care in the state of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we had to look at what's called the self-sufficiency standard. What does it take to even be self-sufficient in the state of Connecticut? So we worked with a Universal Healthcare Foundation and the Connecticut Health Foundation to support um, an analysis of that and a report on that. And we put out a self sufficiency standard report. And now we're working on developing the affordability standard. And we had to do it because affordability depends on how many people live in your house, where you live, your race okay. and ethnicity. All these factors really have an impact on the affordability okay. of healthcare. So that's one big thing we're working on.
1: The interesting part, just to break in for a moment, most, some people will be, might be asking, why would you go to the controller's office, uh, which is kind of interesting because now our controller, Kevin Limbo, um, was a healthcare advocate at one time. But the reason that uh, we, you go to the controller's office is, the controller's office is the one agency that purchases more health insurance than anybody else does. And um, it's like 220,000. Lives that they cover, so they have a lot of information on it, and and we usually try to work with them to to get everybody covered.
0: That's right. And when you're going to make changes, uh, obviously at the state level, he's that's a large employer, right. right? He's he's a large employer like any other large employer, and because lots of our health market in Connecticut is run by large employers, large employers will buy insurance for their employees. Um, it's good to try to influence those discussions and try to get employers, large employers engaged because one of the things that people don't know and that we talk about, try to talk about a lot is that what we do at the state level in insurance only affects a small fraction of our population because lots of people are in these large employer plans that are regulated by the federal government. So that's why we need large employers engaged you, you see every poll out there that talks about how healthcare affordability is one of the top topics. Absolutely. We can't address it unless we have those large employers at the table. So, the other big thing we're working on is bringing those large employers into the equation. So, talking like, to the business councils, and
1: this is where government and, and uh, the private sector have to be working together. Absolutely. To, to get something done. There's and no so, question. It, you know, there's all this talk about universal healthcare. And I think it would be interesting for some people out there to understand what that really means. So I'm going to ask you.
0: Okay. I think it means different things to different people. That's right. And I think the intent of the ACA was to get coverage to everybody through different vehicles, right, through public programs, through private programs. Other people see it differently. Other people would suggest that universal coverage might mean a single payer system or some other type of thing. But what we have right now is a hybrid Mm. coverage system. It's private and public. And on a practical level, that's what we're trying to capitalize on. Capitalize on the funding we have, capitalize on the laws that exist to maximize coverage for people, but also do it in a way that brings down the costs. And I have, if there's one thing I could say is I have a laser-like focus right now on the cost of healthcare in the state of Connecticut
1: and, and one of the should. things,
0: yeah, one of the things we've been working on with these employer groups is um, trying to look at healthcare more broadly in terms of the costs. Some other states have looked at things called healthcare cost growth benchmarks. And what meaning, is that
1: exactly?
0: So what that is is you basically would, as a state, say we really want to set a target for the rate of growth of healthcare in this state overall on a per person basis,
1: mm-hmm.
0: per person average rate of growth at a, at a certain level. So, other states have adopted the rate of growth of their economy as a target, for instance. The philosophy being healthcare really shouldn't grow as a rate that's bigger than the rate of economic growth because people, it would be hard for people to I afford can't,
1: that. Can't pay it.
0: So, Connecticut is looking at this as a potential option. And why we're looking at it is to make healthcare costs more transparent and to see which parts of healthcare are growing, which are not. Are those mm. the ones that should grow? Or should they not grow? And how do we target initiatives to make sure we're delivering healthcare the right way? So it's really a transparency initiative coupled with what I hope is a collaborative process with the stakeholders in healthcare. So the hospitals, the surgical centers, different kinds of providers, our carriers, nursing homes, prescription drug, uh, or pharmaceutical manufacturers. So that's one of the strategies we're looking at. It's like trying to
1: bring a whole world together. It is, but...
0: You know, touches, you have to. Yeah, it,
1: right? it, that's what everything touches healthcare. That's right, right? And you know, and and how healthcare touches us, I I, I still worry about that pre existing conditions being eliminated at at some point because so that the listening audience understands, they talked about pre existing conditions as a woman who had a baby had a pre existing condition, so they could pay her more, pay charge her more for healthcare. And that kind of stuff had stopped under the Obamacare. Um, and we're just hoping that at um, the that federal level, we don't see any changes um, to to that part of, of the, the health care.
0: Right. And I that that is my belief, too. Everything, we, we say health in all policies. Health touches everything and everything touches health. That's true. And in order to ensure access to care, you have to... You have to be able to have coverage for pre-existing conditions. If you if you look around Connecticut, you'll see people have a lot of incidents of things that are sometimes out of their control, depending on where they live
1: right.
0: and where they That's work, true. and they have to be able to get access to coverage. But we also have to pay more attention to those conditions, right?
1: So, and so it could so we, be housing right, that we're looking at.
0: Exactly. So we're spending a lot of time in the previous administration, right, spent... A lot of resources trying to ensure housing was available because we know housing and health are inextricably linked, as are some other things, right? So our office is working with DPH,
1: Department Department of Public Health,
0: Health. Department of Social Services, Department of Housing, other agencies around strategies to try to address what people call social determinants of health, to try to uh, prevent conditions from occurring, ensuring our resources are invested in a way that people can be healthy, before they hit the doctor's office. That's right. Of-
1: and, you know, it, it's preventative care that is so important exactly. and getting the word out. And and I, I do want to go back. That, uh, didn't we just close the enrollment in?
0: So uh, we officially care? enrollment, oh, uh, January 15th, open enrollment right. closes, right, normally on December 15th. We extended it. Um, so I want to make sure people know that enrollment is extended. Um, yeah. So... You can go to accesshealth.com if you're not covered and make sure you get covered.
1: And do they they still have um, uh, offices outside of?
0: They do. In fact, Access Health has been going around the state, um, doing a lot of events at community health centers and other locations. They hired or contracted with a couple of navigators, meaning people who could help enroll people, in addition to brokers who can help people select right. different insurance policies, so I encourage people, you can enroll online, you could call, you can go to one of these health fairs that's, and frankly, if you're younger than I am, you could be on Twitter and Instagram and everything else, <laughs> and you can find out where these enrollment fairs are and get yourself enrolled.
1: That's amazing, too. They really spread it out. To get it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that they determined to extend it another month. Me too. It's
0: the right call. It really it
1: really was the right call yeah. to do and uh, you know, there's there's some advertisements out there that said it was gonna be December fifteenth, but it's around the country that's there, not here in Connecticut right. that it's January fifteenth.
0: Yep. And so, you know, we you know, we're we're special, we do things well here on on yeah. enrollment with our exchange. So we yeah. wanna make sure we get everyone covered. That's why and, we extended And the, the
1: and the people at the exchange are absolutely fantastic people that really care about getting everybody enrolled and they've done an unbelievable job, so right. I give them a all right,, but and they know more too, more.
0: because we talk to them all the time. The more people who are enrolled in health coverage, the costs eventually will hopefully go down, even though right. the prices behind those services might be growing. We need a healthy risk pool, so we need people covered that's right, so you that's young- right. young people who think that they don't need insurance you do you do <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you do. do so uh they usually end this with uh. And this will be different for you, maybe. But um, usually, I say to the—it's usually politicians, elected officials. I used to say, "Well, what's your guiding factor? You know, what's what's your statement when you think about making yourself uh, to do your job?" Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always been as a politician. It's always been your, your word is your bond. And so I'd ask you today, what you feel your kind of saying would be.
0: Well, I would say that I believe in public service and public service can accomplish great things when people are really dedicated to it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right too. You're, you're And you have shown that by your dedication and I truly appreciate it. Um, and, and, and before I, you know, I, 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 should have, I skipped over one thing so I'm going to bring you back for one more question. What do you think you're going to be doing next session?
0: So that's a good question. We're in the process right now of talking um, you may know that we have a bipartisan working group that's been working on several topics um, that started before mm-hmm. um, the current administration, but the current administration has continued this kinds of discussions, and I think that's important. We're looking at what I talked to you about before, this cost growth benchmark as a potential idea. I think a lot of us have focused on increasing prescription drug prices, and is there anything we can do about that?
1: You're not looking um, to increase them. You're looking no, to, no. to decrease them. We're looking, that, right? we're looking at ways to contain
0: the rate of growth <laughs> right. of prescription drug costs, in a way that, that's appropriate. You know that ensures access to those drugs for people who need them. Yeah. Um, we're also, I think, looking at potentially at drug reimportation, um, and there's some Which other ideas. So ju- you may know that the federal government just approved the ability. There was always an ability for states to do a drug importation program, but they had to get federal permission to do it. Um, Last year, we had a bill that included that. It was very popular. Um, And what that would be is we could go to Canada for certain kinds of medications to bring them over uh, the border Mm -hmm. to people in hopefully a more affordable manner than buying them in the United States. But that takes a little bit of work. You know, you have to go through an application process and get that approved. So we're looking at that. Um, I I think predominantly our issues are focused on that. OHS is also looking at community benefits, the Office of Health Strategy. Thank you. The (laughs) Office of Health Strategy, I'm so so sorry, um, is looking at community benefits strategies. So right now hospitals are required under federal law to do community health needs assessments every three years because of the ACA. And the idea is to look at what the needs are in your community, around the hospitals, and then invest in things that can help improve that community. So we're looking at ways to make sure that community benefits are aligned with those needs assessments. Um, and we've been working with the hospitals on that in a collaborative way. So that's, that's one area. It. And the only other one is we have a bill in about facility fees. Um, and what that those are, are fees that are sometimes attached to people's bills when they get services at a hospital outpatient department um, and the fee is for the hospitals covering that services. And right now we're finding impact to the cost of care for people and we want to clean up our previous legislation to just make sure people understand what those fees are and where those fees are coming from so we can better track them.
1: That's great. So That's fantastic. So that's why, as as all of you listening to Vicki speak, you realize how dedicated she really is. And the people that work with her are so dedicated to the, a big problem in our state uh, is healthcare. care. A big problem in our country is healthcare. care. But I think in Connecticut, we're doing better than most places. And uh, it's because of people like Vicki and her office and the people that are really involved in health care, be it Affordable Care Act um, or many of the other agencies in our state. So Vicki, I want to thank you very, very much and uh, for everything you do. And uh, um, I hope you'll come back with new things that have happened. And
0: happy to come back. Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Donkey Talk is available on iTunes, Google Play and anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you like it, remember to subscribe and visit ctdems.org to get involved.